When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Tendy Talk. I am your host Joe, better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. This week I'm excited to welcome former St. Mary's University of Minnesota teammate of mine, Eric Richardson. Eric played his high school hockey in Illinois where he won a state championship with Lake Forest Academy before heading off to St. Mary's. After a brief moment, we'll get into my conversation with Eric. Hey everybody, Joe here for Anchor, the podcast provider. Here's all you really need to know. One, it's free, and two, Tendy Talk uses it. Anchor has features for your podcast like voicemail and listener support that's all available free through the Anchor app or through anchor.fm. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your episodes easily from your phone or computer, then Anchor does the hard work of distributing your episode through all the major podcast distributors. That is, after you've registered with them, of course. You can also make money for your podcast. I know I will try and do so, so that I can cover simple costs like website hosting. There is no minimum listenership required for you to start earning, so you can start right away. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Eric, thanks for uh, joining me. I appreciate it. you know, and without wasting much time, you know, how, how did you get into hockey? Um, well, first, the, the background for those listening, you know, you and I, we played together at St. Mary's. Uh, like me, you grew up in Chicago. You played your high school hockey there. How did you get into the sport of hockey? Because when we were kids, yeah, the Blackhawks were going to the finals, but their home games were not on TV. So hockey wasn't as big there as it is now. That's true. Um, well, I'll just get into it. My start, my start kind of, you know, I, 
I think I saw a pair of goalie pads, and, and I think that it really sort of got me interested in playing hockey. And, uh, you know, my parents took me down and signed me up at the local rink, which happened to be Skokie at the time. And I, I, I initially skated out. I, I was a forward because that was that was the way to do it to learn how to skate to to get all the, the fundamentals and then yep. that was a, a year and after that I think I passed a pair of goalie pads again in the pro shop and then <laughs> that was it I was goalie after that um, so that was you know I started about age five and, and six I was I was in the goal. Did, did that pro shop happen to be Gunzo's? No, it, it was Jerry's at the time. Oh, okay. Or, okay. Wait a second. Excuse me. It was Johnson's. Okay. It was way back. And then it <laughs> after. Yeah. yeah, before Jerry's was on the south side by me. Um, I remember the first pair of pads I, I got, we had to drive all the way to the north side to go to Gunzo's. And walking in that goalie room was like, oh, my God, this place yeah. is amazing. Um, I do. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that goalie room. It was a uh, hockey mecca for us goalies yeah. in Chicago. I remember yeah. my first time in that goalie room. It, it, you know, I remember seeing at the time there were DNR pads. They looked like Grant Beers. Yeah. Uh, and Belfour's pads were in there at the time. So there was, yeah, that, they just had a room full of pads, which nobody else had at the time. I, I remember they had uh, Darren Pang's game-worn pads there, and I probably could have worn them as a squirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a big guy. So you skated out of Skokie. I'm assuming you played for the Flyers. Did you go play AAA with CYA or Team Illinois at all? I did. Yes, I um, I peewee year I went to CYA. I tried out for both. I went to CYA for my first year of peewees, and then my second year peewee, I went to Team <laughs> Illinois, and. Um, I played a year at Team Illinois, and the second year, uh, we had an amazing team. We had, I, and we actually won a national championship that year. And that was my Bantam, no, it was Pee Wee Major. I don't okay. know, Bantam, I don't remember. Anyways. Somewhere in junior uh, high. 94, it was 94. And uh, so after that, late, um, Lake Forest Academy. Yep. So for four years there, and then ended up with you at St. Mary's. Yeah, so Lake Forest Academy, um, you guys played in the state championship game the first year at the United Center, which they changed the Illinois State High School hockey trophy to the Blackhawk Cup. So you guys were the first winners of the Blackhawk Cup. And I, I remember watching the game. It was on Sports Channel at the time. What was that experience like sk skating at the United Center? I remember you guys probably had your entire student body out there. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it an overtime game? No, it was uh, actually the game ended 6-2. to two. Okay, that's right. But we – it was an amazing experience, Joe. I – just what I remember most is walking out on the ice and just skating out on the ice and how white – white the ice was and how bright the environment was you know because how hot skate, it was <laughs> and hot hot as well yeah and and uh you know when you walk into i don't not everyone's thought of this but when you walk into an arena and you look at an arena from from the outside the bright spots in the middle but actually being in the bright spot in, the, in a place like that is is pretty amazing it's like being in a, 
a big stage somewhere. I would have yep. I, my favorite uh, part of the movie Hoosiers is when they get to the state championship game and they're like, wow, this place is so big. And, and he uh, pulls out the tape measure and shows them. It just looks big. It's the same dimensions you've been That's playing true. on your whole life. It's another game. Right. Like every other arena, though, there's there's challenges to playing in, in a place yep. like that. And, and uh, you know, if you ever look back at that tape, the second goal, I had a problem with, with perspective on, on, on the, the puck coming in from the point. Mm-hmm. And then it touched it, and it ended up uh, they scored on the rebound. But, so, like, that's, a, that's one of those things that, like, you, you just learn from experience in an arena. Yeah, I don't know if you ever did any of the goalie camps in Chicago with Darren McCluskey, but one of the things, aside from stretching all the time, because he wound up blowing his knee out because he didn't stretch, he always instilled in us, when you go to a rink, check where those angles are, because even though the dimensions are supposed to be the same, they're not always the same. They they might have those lines out an extra foot or two, and you, you got to figure out where those marks are for when those things when happen. Sometimes there's a little, you know, yep. like, I sort of remember my first game at uh, Gustavus. They had that tiny rink up on the hill. And c- coming from our Olympic sheet at St. Mary's, that first time the puck got rung around the boards, there was maybe this much room, it felt like, behind that net at Gustavus. And I was used to our, you know, 40 acres behind our net at St. Mary's. And I got a good push, went to the boards and fell down and the puck went by me. And I looked at the bench and Coach Manor was standing there laughing. And at intermission, he goes, I remember now, I forgot to tell you something about this rink. (laughs) But I I knew it was a smaller rink. I I checked my marks, you know, in front of me. I failed to look at the mark behind me for getting that big push to the boards. And it was just too much. Now, the, the one thing I remember about that state championship game for you guys was that bleach blonde hair you had <laughs> with those, that spiked hair. I, you know, I was, um, you know, when I was younger, I, I tried a few <laughs> different things. I tried to <laughs> yeah. Something down that yeah, well, one of your teammates, uh, one of the Boudreaux brothers, he wound up being one of my assistant coaches my senior year of high school, and he said that the whole team had the, the frosted tips. Yeah, and it was you know, definitely a trend at the time. Yeah, it, it was, that, that's for sure. So you played at Lake Forest Academy. Um, well, what I love about Lake Forest Academy is the, the school nickname. Uh, it's not the traditional nickname, the Caxies. Uh, tell us what a Caxie is. So the Caxi is <laughs> originates from Aristotle's play of frogs, and it's the sound that a Caxi makes, or and that a frog makes. So it's the ribbit sound. Yep. Here. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that on the broadcast, and I went, "Okay." Um, but for for those that don't know much about Lake Forest Academy, it's not your traditional private school in Chicago. It's more of a boarding school, uh, where you know you, you talk about being from Aristotle, there's more emphasis on the classics and I, I would argue deeper thinking uh, than we had in the Chicago Catholic League. <laughs> you know, I didn't go to those schools, but I, <laughs> I would say that it was very, it was a, for me, it was a great environment to learn in. It was a smaller classroom, uh, more of a conversation rather than being taught. Yeah. Uh, and, and yes, I think that from where we were when I graduated, that school has come a, a tremendous way. They're now putting their athletes in, in, in a lot better position, student yeah. athletes into a lot better situations. 
and in Division One, Division Three, and uh, the campus is is amazing. It's a beautiful place. Yep. Uh, so you win a state championship at Lake Forest Academy. What brought you to St. Mary's? Because uh, I can't imagine they were the only school that had their eyes on you after you won a state title and having the national championship as yep. well at the younger age. So believe it or not, there was a few different things that were working against me. I, I think we didn't, we weren't promoted very well at that point. Right. As far as athletes. So as students we were, and I wasn't, we didn't quite get the promotion that we needed. And at any rate, I ended up with a few options. One of them was out East. It was a smaller school and it was, would have been a brand new, it was a brand new program at the time. And the other one was St. Mary's and I knew Jason Trapiccio uh, yep. coming in from just growing up in, in the area and uh, going to school together. And seemed like as good a place as any at the time. And uh, I, you know, I enjoyed my time there. I yep. did. I, I, you know, yeah, out the way they do. Yeah, it's funny because Mike Walsh, uh, he and I played high school together, and he wound up there, and that's kind of how I started hearing about it. And one of my coaches had uh, gone to school there, so that's how I first heard about it, and did the school campus tour. But uh, unlike you, I, I wasn't recruited, <laughs> so I, I was a walk-on. Yeah, well, yeah. Even the, even the way, I mean, I think I I felt like I was in a similar position as you were coming yeah. in, regardless of whether you were recruited or not. There were a lot of people there for for very, very few spots. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember my freshman year. I think we had twenty four goalies trying out for the six spots, and yeah. to this day, I still don't know why they chose me for that last spot. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask Donnie about it. Like, what were you guys thinking? Because then I you had to put an to be in flexibility, Jeff. You know, well, I, I think, <laughs> I think working that hockey camp uh, prior to coming, actually starting at school probably helped. And th- that was funny. Uh, my admissions counselor is, I was signing up for classes said, Hey, they're looking for bodies for their hockey camp. Give them a call, you know? And I went, play hockey every day for the summer sure so I called them up and they didn't even really ask me many questions it was more you can skate okay yeah be here on this day um, right. that, that was my introduction to the program and I think uh, were you working the camp that uh, summer when I think I was yeah, yeah that, when, the first couple summers I'm yeah there. when we went bowling and I got uh, the nickname Joe Bondo <laughs> <laughs> that that may have sealed the deal of getting me on the team. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I still remember sophomore year uh, when they finally put the final roster up uh, and they put my real name because for all of tryouts, they were putting Joe Bondo on the daily roster and then Coach Olson, final roster, put my real name and some freshman next to me goes, who's this? Drennan kid that's me it's like no that's not your name yes it is no it's not I had to take my license out and prove to them what my real name was um so you know you mentioned my flexibility the first time you saw me on the ice what were you thinking in my unorthodox style yeah I no you you were you had sort of this mensley flavor to you already yeah <laughs> 
Okay, it was, um, let me see if I can come up with some names that, that you kind of. I, I knew my role at that point already. So there was like names that are coming to my head right now. Like Bob Sobey. Yep. Um, Kelly Rudy. But then you kind of had this whole, who was, I can't remember his name right now, but he was, he was a goalie for Carolina. And he was, Trevor Kidd. Well, uh, Trevor Kidd, but there was an, an older one. Oh, Archie Serbe. That's it. Archie yeah. But he was amazing, right? But you didn't know how he was going to get it, but he got it. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's kind of where I. Yeah, you you are definitely much more technical than I was. <laughs> than I was, um, that's for sure. Um, but that just comes with just different. I mean, experiences and 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 where you've been and who's taught you. Yeah, it, it doesn't really matter as long as your anger angles are sound. Yep. And you have the drive to stop the puck. It's interesting. I listen to uh, the Engel Magazine podcast, and they talk about never giving up on the play. And and that's, you know, Fleury makes these amazing saves, and people don't know how how do you practice for that. Well, you don't. You just you don't give up on the play. And I, I think that was the thing is I never gave up on the play. And that's why I loved playing rebound in the afternoon at school or after practice because it, it was a perfect uh, – way to practice those unorthodox saves just throw the body out there and see what's going to get in the way yeah definitely. Uh, i think you know and for me i think I, my experience was a little bit different a lot different than yours in, in a sense like you're right my my i was definitely classically trained mm-hmm. from a age i mean i started with you know I, there's five i'm not going to name all the coaches but there's certain people that stick out in your head that were just consistent and for me yep on on constant fundamentals like angles you know where's your stick are your gloves up you know and i'll never forget the one thing ryan s remember ryan yeah uh, yeah i run into him every now and then he he said something to me that that made me a better goalie in college and he was like bring your gloves or after who's that i don't know before college or during college or after college but he said bring your arms forward because i was pulling my arms back a little bit yep. rather than rather than keeping them out in front of me which totally cut down the angle a little bit more you know it, it, for a lot of different situations um I, I i would say that was one thing i found really um enjoyable about St. Mary's is we had six goalies in the program and while we were all competing for positions we were all each other's champion too and we would if we saw something in each other's game we would point it out in practice and say hey try this out or you know do those little things I me and Sean Green were uh always on the same end in practice and we were always going back and forth you know what, what did you see there and uh you don't see that with a lot of programs we just all seem to be in tune with hey let's make each other better because at the end of the day if we're better we're going to win games and it makes hockey a lot more fun when we win yeah I think that the one important thing that we did have there was camaraderie and yep. that, that whole group I, I um, as as competitive as all of our situations were I think for the most part we liked each other yeah um Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I did. I mean, at the time, I remember thinking back and being like, this is, this, you know, there were times where I thought the selection of who played when was just 
you know, I, I was more, but it was an issue, but that was because my coaching, you know, mythology is that I would, I would ride a hot goal. Yep. That's how I would do it. But right. that's not how he did it. He didn't, he, he went, you know, back and forth. He rotated every, almost every game yep. for us, at least when we were there. My yeah. first year, though, he wrote, had, he wrote Fred Hennig. Yeah, he uh, played all but like one uh, game that yeah, my year. freshman year. Yeah, that I remember that. Uh, Most of it. Yeah, it, I, I knew my role. I, I was a locker room guy. <laughs> I think it was freshman coined the term a JV All Star, and that's what I was. That, yeah. Fastest door in the Mayak, I joke. No, that was a, <laughs> unacceptable. I, yeah. You know, I still kind of hated that first year. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, that was the first time I was a true backup and it took some getting used to, but once, uh, once I accepted that role, Hey, I, I lived it up. Uh, you know, I would come out after, I think it was the second or third period. We get those box lunches in the locker room. I'd have a sandwich or two tucked away in my breezer. So I had a snack on the bench. <laughs> yeah. Know? I lived it up. I didn't, yeah. I, I, yeah. I maybe did a towel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of my, uh, favorite memories of the team was it would have been my freshman year, year sophomore year. We had that NCAA meeting in the basement of Toner Center, mm-hmm. and coaches are sitting in the back, and the, the lady from the NCA is talking to us about drugs and alcohol. And she goes, "Now, if you're old enough to drink, how many drinks per hour should you have so that you don't stay drunk?" And you raise your hand, and you go, "If I remember right back to freshman year, since I'm not 21 yet." It's one drink an hour, and the coaches are in the back smiling, and she's just about ready to say, yeah, good job. And you go, but if you hold the darn thing for more than 15 minutes, it gets warm, so you got to drink it quicker. <laughs> and at that point, everybody's laughing. The coaches are in the back. They got their you know, heads in their hands, and the poor lady at the front is just going, okay, but wait an hour till you have the next one. But it was just a perfect, perfect timing. That, that was uh, – It's just the problem in the, you know – yeah you know and then it was that same year um i don't know if you watched the jv game uh you guys were getting ready to go to hamlin later that day we had like an 11 or 12 o'clock face off uh against a junior b team and i came out and played the puck and i just got ran and got a concussion i knew i had a concussion when i got to the locker room and i was halfway through eating an apple and i realized i don't like apples and i asked somebody next to me i don't remember who for obvious reasons did I get hit in the game? And they're like, oh, you got smoked. <laughs> I went, I should probably go talk to the trainers. And uh, they did the test. And they're like, oh, you got a concussion. You need somebody to watch you and this and that. And it's like, yeah, I, I can probably find somebody. And the coaches said, no, y- you come with us. We're getting on the bus. So poor uh, Taraj had to sit next to me on the bus. And every bump we hit, I felt nauseous. Uh, but it was good training for him because he's a uh, oncologist up here in Edina now. I ran into oh, yeah, him. That's right. I actually ran into him last year at a uh, baseball tournament. Our sons were playing against each other. Um, uh-huh. But uh, the poor Trotch had to babysit me that night. But we we beat Hamlin at the old Coliseum. You played that night, and you got on the bus, and it was the first night of Hanukkah. And I remember you dancing up and down the aisles, leading the, leading the team in the dreidel song. None of us knew the words, but you were trying your darndest, <laughs> trying to teach us that song. I was your token Jew. Yes, yes, you were. And we, we loved you for it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I really did. 
Yeah, those those four years, people ask about it, and I go, "Hey, I, I was a four year JV All Star, but I got to play hockey for four years without <laughs> having to pay extra." And those are some of my fondest memories of hockey were those four years, you know. And it wasn't so much what we did on the ice; it was the locker room. Um, you know, we had the token naked guy, Dustin Noble, after practice, and stand over the <laughs> he'd stand over the laundry bin. Just, hey, guys, what did you think of practice today? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it was, you're right, though. It was, it was all about the relationships that, and, and bonds. Yeah. So th- this is a fun story. When we moved into our current house about seven, eight years ago, it's our first national night out here in the neighborhood, and the fire department shows up. And this fellow gets off the rig, and I look at him. He looks at me. He goes, Bondo, what are you doing here? He said, well, I live here what are you doing here? It was Colin Emmons. He goes, well, I live in the next development over and I'm on the fire department. I go, Oh, great. And then we got talking. Yes. He's still skating. Yeah. He was too at the time. And he goes, well, let me get your number in case we need a goalie that fall. I get a text. Hey, you interested in joining our team this fall is mostly Hugo firefighters. And they said, absolutely. So I've been skating with that team ever since they've since had a few kids. So uh, they're a little small, so he's taking some time off because oh. our games are at bedtime. But, uh, yeah, so was, he got me back into skating regularly, which was uh, kind of funny. And then uh, – uh, So you guys didn't, you didn't recognize each other initially? No, at first we were just kind of looking at each other like, it can't be you. Like, what, what are you doing here? And then, he's uh, an unforgettable character. Oh, he's <laughs> such a goofball. There are stories I remember about him because uh, he lived in – Ed's freshman year like I did and some of the stories shouldn't be repeated because his kids might find out about them uh no definitely keep those yeah yeah, yeah. and but, then but the head whoever you used to wear headbands all the time wristbands and just in those high socks there. you know yeah, he was amazing he was a character he still is I, I'll, I'll give him that and then uh Nate DeMars lives right down the street for me too Okay. And, and my brother-in-law was uh, doing some work with Nessie Nate uh, last fall. He sent me a text saying who he was working with. I said, how do you know him? And he goes, wow, we know each other from high school. And I go, anybody on the crew call him Nasty Nate? <laughs> and he goes, no, that never came up. So he, he went the next day and he goes, uh, my brother-in-law want to know if anybody calls you nasty nate what's all that about and he goes who's your brother-in-law <laughs> so yeah i've run into just a few of the guys just in passing that way so after st mary's you know how have you stayed in the game so i was playing men's league for a while uh competitive for a little bit and then it's sort of yeah i i don't know i, I just stopped for a couple of years there yep uh, then I came back to the game, and I've sort of come back in the last couple of years, I would say, with a, this rejuvenated sort of appreciation for the game. Playing for the love, not so much the score at the end of the day, but just let's go out there, have fun. and Yes, but I'm so much more – I think I'm a better goalie now than I ever was. Yeah. I'll tell you why. I'm so much more technically sound now yep. on my angles than I ever was. And, I, and then maybe I'm a little slower. I probably am slower. <laughs> but technically, I'm, I'm a better goalie than I ever was. 
you know, and, and I think the, the one of the reasons that I have sort of adjusted my game is one on one I probably am a little slower, so I stay a little tighter to the net mm-hmm. in, the, in the in the crease. Um, and the other is my stick handling music. It, I've worked on that a long time. <laughs> I now, should. I uh, this pretty well. Now, you yeah. know. I should. I've never been good at it, but I, I've definitely gotten better at it. Ever since I started using the Turco grip, I've, I've gotten better. Sometimes I can clear the zone. Oh, I enjoy getting, getting that breakout started. I want to be part yeah. of it. If I can get in the offense in the men's league, I'm, I'm fine. But, you know, honestly, most of the stuff I'm playing right now is pickup. Yeah. It's, it's fun that way because it's just a bunch of guys that just want to be there and, and just aren't. Right. The score doesn't they matter. There. They're choosing to be there. And it's not like, oh, you got to scrape them all together to get, get the squad there. Yeah. Although I'd love to do that, but not, yeah. but I don't have that right now. That, that's what I like about my men's league team is I'm not the one in charge of gathering the team together. It's just, I show up. I hope we have enough guys and all but once in the last five years, we've had enough guys to play a game. So it's worked out. Uh, there's been a few times where we only had five or six skaters. In fact, when that happened, Emmons would take intentional penalties to get a two minute rest. Yeah. Yeah. Now he, I don't know if he ever played on a uh, intramural team with you, but I, I remember him doing this in intramurals and I was ready for it in the, first uh, game we were playing together and we had a nice lead uh he was playing defense and he starts skating up no pressure so he turns around and just rifles the puck at me to make sure i was paying attention (laughs) um yeah yeah but uh i have been doing a little bit of both i I skate on two different leagues one at the super rink with the team i've been on for a couple years now and like you said, it's almost all firemen from Hugo, White Bear, and Stillwater. So our team name is the Hosers. Uh, it makes sense. And then I just started this year playing on a team out or a league out of 3M because I worked there as a contractor for a while. And it was one of those, one of the guys, he heard me talking one day and said I was a goalie. And all of a sudden he was like, you're a goalie? Are you interested in playing? I was like, absolutely. <laughs> so I skate in those two leagues during the uh, winter time. And then uh, I've been doing some pickup skates out of Hudson, Wisconsin uh, with this group called For the Love of Puck. They've, uh, they've started a documentary on just guys like us that, you know, we've come back to the game and we play because we love it. We love the uh, camaraderie in the locker room, you know, where, yeah, I, I love going and skating. It feels good. It's kind of my therapy every week, but that, banter in the locker room is half of it you know yeah i mean did you were you a talkative guy in the locker room though when you played joe or because i remember myself and even now i'm not very talkative at all in the locker room because i'm a goalie um before games i'm not talkative after games and even practice it's like after the skate that then i'm a little more talkative but absolutely before before the game, even though it's beer league, I'm still closing my eyes. I'm doing the visualization. I, I still need that mental preparation. And, you know, yeah, it's just, I, I still get to the rink an hour before, whether it's a beer league game or a pickup skate. I need that hour to, first of all, because I've still got my pads from college where I got 
eight straps on each pad. It takes me longer to get them on, but yeah. uh, um, it's just, I, I need that mental prep time. I don't know about you. I, I can't show up five minutes before and be ready to go. So I, I'm a little bit of both. I really don't like, I won't get there an hour before anymore because here, at least around here, no one's there. Right. Know? Oh, I uh, spend a lot of time in the locker room before myself, before games. <laughs> okay. And, and I, for me, it's just, 30 minutes I'll get there before and, and pretty much I'll, I'll get dressed without really saying much to anybody. Mm-hmm. Who are you? And, uh, and then after it's, you know, I'll say something, I'll talk, but you know, I really don't get involved with a lot of the conversation now because of a lot of the politics and everything. Yep. I don't really want to talk about that. With you guys. Yeah. I like you right now. Why right. would you want to ruin that? Experience. I would say I've been pretty lucky in that the the folks I've been skating with, they they leave that at the door. You know, when when we're in the locker room, it's usually talking the game, what's going on in your own lives. With I think it's the way it should be. Yeah. I think that's the reason we all got to know each other in the first place. Right. Not- exactly. It's let, let's talk about the the good in our lives. We don't have to worry about all that other stuff creeping in. You know. One of the things, you know, we, we've been connected on social media for a while and you've got a little guy I've seen, he's been skating. Um, yeah. I, I've seen he's put the pads on. Is he going full-time goalie these days or? Um, is he- he's 12, yeah. He's 12 now. He's in his second year of Peewee's. He put the pads on out of necessity last year, though he had a lot of interest and, uh, yes, he's going forward into, into playing goalie now. Um, I don't know what his intentions are. I think he's yeah. yeah. Okay, so now that you're a goalie dad. How how uh, do you enjoy watching those games compared to when you you were uh, the goalie? I hate it. <laughs> really, you know, that's one of the. Re- I, I coached for a while at the yep. high school level, and I enjoyed that experience. Yep. You know, for what it was. But I was a little, and I coached my son when he was a forward, but then when he was a goalie, I'm a little leery to do that, you know, because I am so critical of that position. Yeah. And it's not purposeful. It's just what I see is different than, than most people. Yeah. What we see as goalies, the perspective from being at this side of the, of the arena rather than right in the, the play Yep. Uh, you get to see everything and everything's sort of out in front of you in a funnel and you, you just learn to sort of guide it in. Yeah, it's always um, surprised me when goalies try talking to their teammates about you should be doing this or that, especially defensively in front of me. And they look at you, what do you know you're a goalie? And it's like, well, we need to understand everything you do before we can even start with our position. I think that definitely a lot of guys overlook that, that the perspective that we have is completely different than what they're looking at and that yep. we know where everyone is or yep. it's going to be in a few seconds. Yep. You know, I've done some coaching at the high school level up here too, and I was primarily the goalie coach, but I uh, handled the defense for our JV team. And there were a couple times the coach would look over at me and say, what are you seeing? because we do see the game in a different light than they do. Uh, and sometimes I would share it and they go, okay, I can see that now, but I wasn't picking up on that. Um, 
and at the same time when we would do some of our summer skates and I would be skating out just having fun and the one coach hooked me he goes you know you're pretty good when you skate out it's like well yeah I still understand the game I can see where the you know play is going I can find the open space (laughs) you know I think a lot of goalies are like that it just looks a little it looks a little crazy when we're doing it but yeah Generally, we know where we're supposed to be and how to get, you know, yeah. what time to get there. We, we, we might not be pretty when we skate out, but we know how to read the play. We know where the open space it is. Looks like goalies be. skating forward. Yeah. Skate you know, like goalies. Yeah, so you don't enjoy being the goalie dad much. What, what does mom think about uh, watching the little guy play well, goalie? I, let me just rephrase. I do enjoy being the goalie dad. I right. find it um, – you don't enjoy the games as much as you used to. I find to. it stressful because I want to help him, you know? Yes. And I, I want to just – but like any dad, though, um, I don't say much. Yeah. At games where I'm glad that I, I'm able to do that and just sort of – I sit back and let it happen because you can't control it. You know, yeah. I, I parents forget sometimes. Well, you can't. we understand the pressure that's on the, the kids. My, my son – He's he's a baseball player and he loves to pitch and every time they put him on the mound it's just like ah oh, geez let's get this done and over with quick because it's just that added stress and even though I wasn't a baseball player I wasn't a pitcher I know the stress is very similar to a goalie because the outcome of the game good or bad really weighs on your performance. Um, one guy out there, you're in the one position. Yep, exactly, and um, so. Yeah, my, my boy, he likes hockey. He likes skating on the pond, but up here, hockey's a little bit different where they skate, even at 12 years old, they're skating, you know, six to eight times a week, and they're taking the ice at 9.30 at night, and he had the option. He goes, that that's too much for me. And, you know, if, if we're getting on the ice at 9.30, that's usually when I'm getting ready for bed. I said, hey, that that's a um, mature look at things, and so – I, I appreciate that out of him. So what is uh, the little guy, what does mom think about being a goalie mom? I, I know what my mom always said. She she wished I would have uh, st- stayed uh, skating out. I think his mom, you know, she's a normal goalie mom. She, <laughs> yeah. she gets excited. And she they, they love it. Active. Yeah, and she, but she enjoys it I yeah. think, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't look at you and go, why did you have to do this to me? <laughs> uh, not, not every day. No. Yeah. But, but she, she, she's, been her, she, does, she does, she's been around it since she met you though. So she, yeah. she knew she what does. she was in for. She did. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're still playing, you're, you're still getting some skates in, but you know, like me, hockey isn't what defines you. Uh, you know, what else do you do to kind of fill that, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say void, but kind of to m- fill that balance in your life to keep you uh, sane, especially these days? Right now, it's, it's been a challenge. I, in the last year, I've helped, or I co-own a business with a, um, my partner's a licensed massage therapist, mm-hmm. and we incorporated the use of CBD products with the massage mm-hmm. uh, which was her idea. And then we also sell CBD products, which, which um, a lot of different, you know, all the different types yeah. categories of, of CBD. And right, we, you know, but with COVID, we've had to do things like rent our space out for events, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, you have to become a hybrid to sort of survive now in, in this environment, especially in retail in Chicago. Um, so different different things we're going to have, you know, uh, lots of different things. Um, Putting that marketing degree to work, aren't you? Definitely a lot of social networking, social media stuff. Uh, yeah, just everything's reinventing today, right? So you're trying to just do it differently every day. And I also started a travel business over COVID. So I got it my travel agents thing so I can, <laughs> so I can uh, sell, you, sell, sell you a vacation if you'd like to go somewhere. Um, but just different things to sort of just different streams of revenue to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. It's a, the everyday hustle, you know, yeah. don't, don't yeah. settle on one thing, keep it going. I like that. So when you're not working on the businesses, you're not playing hockey, you know, what fills your time at home? I know for me, I do a lot of reading of uh, history if yeah. that, that and projects around the house. Honestly, Joe, I'm not home much these days. <laughs> I'm, running, you know, I'm running around a lot with the, with the business and just, my son and yeah. just general life. Um, I'm trying to get into, you know, there's also an emerging industry. Uh, it's kind of throughout the country right now. And I'm also trying to delve yeah. into that a little bit. Yep. And, and so that's taking up some of my time and resources, but different projects to sort of uh, sustain myself at this point and, sustain, no, I, you know, help to save costs. Yep. And that's how I'm looking at things right now because after what we've sort of been experiencing out here these days, I just want to, I sort of, I want to be ready for anything. After. Yeah, no, it, it's a good thing to do because I, I, I think more and more people are going to start uh, going that route because there's a lot of people that this is all they've done for 15, 20 years. And now they can't do that in their not trained to do anything else. And it puts them in a really difficult place. Um, or they, you know, don't know where to go to, to find other opportunities. So diversifying your talents is a great way to do things. Um, yeah, grateful, grateful for the things, the education and the things that I've learned, you know, that allow me to do it. And being handy with the computer is, is very important. Yep. And I know your, your degree was primarily graphic design. So when it comes to marketing in a small business, uh, a lot of people don't realize how handy that is to be able to do some of that stuff yourself. Cause that can get pretty costly really quick. That is true. And I think it's, you know, even here sometimes that gets overlooked, but I think it's, <laughs> uh, yes, it, it saves a lot of money, you know, and pretty much, you know, uh, all you got to do is get it printed. Yep, exactly. It's it's funny sometimes where people are like, "Oh, just throw me together a logo. It should take you five minutes." And they laugh, and I'm going, yeah, "You do, you know nothing about what you're talking about right now." It's like when people talk to us about goaltending and they have no idea what they're. Yo, you guys don't skate that much. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing, Joe. I think we should really talk about that since we're talking about goalies today. Is as I think that one thing that I don't see as much of is skills training. And I think for the goalies, I think they're left out of, of a lot of the circles and the, and the crossovers and all that stuff, the power skating stuff. And yeah. 
I think it's super important to, to be a good solid goalie. And I think that that's, that, that shouldn't that's, be. I think people ignore it and they're that, just off to the side. That, that's a great point because I know when we were coming up that power skating at the end, it was all right, let's get the Clyde styles in there. You know, we're going to be a little bit slower, but we, we had to do those crossovers. We had to do all that stuff, the, the speed skating, and it made us better skaters. And that's why I think our generation, we were probably the best skaters on the ice, you know, when we didn't have our pads on. Yeah. But these days, the position, position's gotten so technical. At those times, they're telling the goalies, okay, go off and work on your goalie-specific drills. Some of these kids can't do a crossover with their pads on. And, oh, you know. For us, those overspeed drills at the end of practice, as much as I hated them, I loved them at the same time because it's like, all right, I can do this just as well as you with all this stuff on. And it, I don't know about you, but it was almost like an inner competition with myself to be faster than somebody else on the, you know, pick a guy on the ice. I want to catch him. I want to be faster than him with all this stuff on with skates that have, you know, more on the ice than they do or yeah, absolutely. they don't have that today. No, I, and I think part of that's a mindset that doesn't exist today. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that sort of desire isn't stressed as much mm-hmm. in that direction. I think yeah. it's, um, it is more to be well-rounded and be good at all these different things and then hone in on one thing and be really good at that. But I, and I think it's important that I don't think I would have survived some of the stuff that I've gone through in the last five years had I not yep. gone through all of those challenges and had I not did that power skating because, you know, as much as you in the moment sometimes don't like what you're doing, you know it's making you better. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you the most rewarding thing is to do some of that stuff now when you're just messing around or showing someone or, or young, your, your son how to do something. Yeah, you already know how to do it. You haven't done it in twenty years, and you can just bang it out. Yeah, you know, I I always remember Coach Manor when we were doing our overspeed drills. He would say, "Push yourself to the limit, so that when you have to do it in a game, you're comfortable doing it." And that's, you know, what those power skating drills are for. And at the same time, in life, you know, do those things you're not comfortable with, so that when you, the more you do it, you become comfortable with it. It's not that big of a deal. Right. You know knows how to pursue pain you know and that's one of the most important lessons in life is even when you're getting beaten up and kicked down you have to keep going and you have to get up and especially if you have kids it makes it even more yeah yeah we, i mean me and my wife we always say that the most important job we have is raising our kids to you know not be jerks and part of doing that is setting the example uh because that's the best way they're going to learn you know, but, but getting back to your point about goaltenders and it, it's gotten so specialized. Um, I, I've been listening to a lot of goalie podcasts lately and they've been talking about this influx of rushing goalies lately. And one of the reasons they believe we're starting to see that is they're not getting that technical um, direction until they are older, until they're at that high school age, much like you and I at that younger age, we're just figuring it out, which means we're kind of creating our own style we're seeing some stuff absorbing it but it it gives us this chance to understand the game a little bit better and think for ourselves that when we do get that technical uh training it's like oh that makes sense i can 
put that into my toolbox I already have and be more efficient versus this is the only way I can stop a puck. Uh, I forget who I was listening to the other day, former NHL goalie saying, you know, he's done some of these camps with kids. These kids are better technically than he ever was, but in a game situation, they can't stop a puck because they don't know how to adapt to these broken plays and these broken situations. And that is a lot of being a good goalie, I think, is, and I agree with you, is, is adapting, reading and reacting to what's happening. Yep. And, and knowing where people are in a certain situation, in any given situation. Yep. And either you have that or develop that, or you don't. You can't, yep. just, you can't just walk into a game and, 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 and if you've never watched, right. watched a game. Really uh, you know, so many times in the games I play in these days, you know, I, I see a puck going into the corner. I take a quick look to see, okay, what's out here? Because if they're not bringing the puck in front of me, I know it's going to them. I need to know where am I pushing to? What kind of save selection do I have to think of? Where are my defense? Because I know they're most likely out of position. So, you know. I mean, it's messy, right? So, yeah. but absolutely, you know, and you're trained to do that from a young age. You yep. No, the puck goes to the corner. The guy goes to the corner with the puck, and you got to know that this guy's going to be sitting on your doorstep behind you. Yep. So when he goes across ice with that, across the middle with that puck, you're there before he gets there, before yep. he gets a chance, and you're already got the angle. Well, and that's where I think my flexibility really came into play. Is these days I'm considered a short goalie at five ten. You right. know, so for me to get that back door, I had to get that toe over there. Well, how do I do that? flexibility because in our day that push kids use today you weren't doing that in our pads you know so oh, we had to have a way to get over there uh, but i but i appreciate that they've they thrown that into the game now right because i've adapted that into my game a little bit i'm not the best i don't do it the way I'm <laughs> it, but i use it to my advantage so like if they're going behind the net you know post to post yep i, I may use that just to get yep. there absolutely um you know and it, there was one thing I remember picking up from you is that post to post, if they were going to my stick side, I remember you'd be down on the one knee and you'd have the, uh, your hand up at the knob and you'd just swing that stick around. And yeah. what that did is it forced them not to do the wraparound. They had come all the way around. And that just gave us that little extra time to get all the way over and really get set to defend that. And it's yeah. those little things that, with that push, you don't need. But what it does is it allows that skater to come around a lot quicker. Yeah. I appreciate you, you picking up on that. You know, and, and just sort of touching on that part of my game is because I was, I'm still, I'm always very active with my stick. And, yep. And for me, it was, it was like having an, an offensive weapon in the goal. Yep. And I grew up sort of digging on Ron Hextall and, yep. and, you know, the way he played the game and Broder, the way they, you know, both of the way they scored goals and just yep. that they were able to, to really handle the puck as well as everybody else, you know, and um, yeah, it forced people away from the net, which gave me more time and gave us time. And, exactly. Like, that, that little extra time it takes them to skate out around the stick was, all we needed to get that and get across and 
seal it off. I mean, today the RVH is huge for closing off that seal. It works great. But what we're also seeing is that's good for when they're in tight. And so many times I see it, not just in beer league, not just at the high school, level, but even the NHL level, they'll be on the half wall and they're in the RVH. And then they're wondering why they're getting scored on over their ears. Well, the guy has room. The RVH is for when you're in close. All right. We were almost doing that before it was a thing, but it was when they were in close to give us a chance to get over there. So are you as, okay, since you're 5'10 also, you, I use the RVH less. I have adapted into more of a hybrid stand-up. Yep. I, so where it's, you know, I do better in those angle situations. If I'm just, if I stay up and wait it out. Yeah. Then, then going down because what happens when I go down is I always kind of shift my right a little bit, if it's, if, you know, and they'll get me short side yep. on my club, and that's just inappropriate. I can't have. The way I was taught <laughs> to cover the post was stand up. You hug that post. That post is in your elbow. You know, if it's on your glove side, that glove is turned around to catch any pucks being shot out in front of you. You know, and the sticks over there trying to block a pass. At other side that sticks out and I always keep that glove ready for that quick pass out in front uh, but I it was Donnie that uh, freshman year he said be the door if they're below the goal line you're parallel with the goal line as soon as that puck steps on the other side of the goal line the door opens and you go like that on that post and yeah. take that shot away attack. yeah I attack it I, I am aggressive I'll come out on you now yeah I don't I don't uh Sit. I'll go to the top of the crease. I mean, a little further. Yep. But I'm not sitting back on the goal line like some of these guys are, and I'm not d- dissing it. It works for these big guys because they don't. Yeah. They don't need. Right. Their shoulders are at the crossbar when they're down. But if you're five ten and your game's all about agility and quickness, you need your angles and you need to be aggressive on these guys. So well, and you, you and I have some tight crouches. We we get down low, so if we're down on our knees to begin with we're even lower than these guys so even in our crouch right. i think we're we're down lower than they are when they're down Which in the butterfly I, I think i've learned to do this a lot and stand up a little more yeah. yep I, I definitely have taken my glove from the side to up like this when they're further out the, it, yeah. you can almost tell how close they are to me by where the glove is positioned because i've learned if they're at the hash marks i don't need it up here because odds of them getting it up there I can have it here and still cover that crossbar. Hold on a second. Yep. Sorry, guys. Special delivery. <laughs> no worries. It's it's like Mister Rogers' neighborhood. <laughs> you just never know when it's going to be stopping by. Yeah, but it is a, uh, I love it over here. We're in Forest Park, Joe. It's not far from where, where. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Beverly Mount Greenwood neighborhood on the south side near Oak Lawn. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm on Madison Street, so I'm at zero. Yep. Yeah. I like it over there. Oh, that's good. good. So, I'm, my goal <laughs> is to end every episode asking some rapid fire questions. Yes. Um, so the first one is craziest coach moment from your playing days. You know, coach either going ballistic practice game whatever oh wow <laughs> okay well let's hear all the questions and i'll come up with something um favorite barn you, you played in uh favorite all-time goalie mask favorite stick you've ever used um 
favorite youth hockey memory. And I, I would say youth hockey could even go back up to college. Uh, your favorite penalty, uh, favorite chirp, worst post-game beer you've ever had. Do you tape the stick heel, the toe or toe to heel? Your favorite wow. number and advice for young goalies. Wow, that's a lot of questions. Okay, so, all right. So first, the coaching moment, I guess I would, I had this one coach, his name was Olsen, and uh, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't the one from college. It was okay. And uh, he just yelled a lot. I just remembered, like, a lot of yelling. I don't remember the specifics, but I just remember he was, he was a, his face would get red, and he had this mustache, and his cheeks would shake, but he knew what he was talking about. He just... It's kind of like the coach was better, Kenny. That's the way we were coached at times, and in certain situations, when you knew that he knew you knew better, and that I mean, in those days, that's how we were taught. Yeah, we, we knew it. We didn't do it the next time. You know, right? The second couple times after that, right? And it, and it works for us. Um, what's the next question? Uh, favorite rink you played in, or even still play in. Wow, favorite arena I've ever played in was I mean I have to go with actually we've already mentioned the United Center, so I'm gonna go with La Colise in Quebec. Okay. So that was a really cool experience, that whole tournament, that whole experience. Uh, yeah. that was a few year and yeah, that was the Nordiques still existed. So, I mean, yeah. how <laughs> we're showing our age there. Yeah. Uh, that's right. That's, that just yeah. makes, I think it makes us better. We're yeah. Fine. Yes. We're, we're seasoned. Uh, yeah. Your favorite all-time goalie mask. Doesn't have to be yours, but pro favorite one you've ever seen. So the ones that stick out most to me, um, I think it was Jeff Hackett. He had the shark mask. He had the okay. Early had the shark eating his head. Oh, that was, was Steve Shields. Was it Shields? Yeah, because Hackett oh, had the combo when he was in San Jose. But that that was Steve Shields' masks. But I, I know uh, what you're talking no, about. Maybe okay, but it was. I mean, maybe a few guys have done it though. Yeah, I think it was before that. Yeah, the first one to do it. That was a Greg Harrison mask. I remember that one. Okay, and then you know the Popman masks stick out for me. Felix Popman was a—he was an influence for me because yep. just because of the way he played, he was a smaller guy. Yeah, he played. I feel like I, I have similar traits to the way I play. I can uh, see that. And and Brodeur's masks um, because he, here's why I like Brodeur because from a graphic design standpoint, whoever was in charge of creating his his persona. He had a theme from the beginning, just like yep. Popper. He had a theme from the beginning, and it rolled throughout his career in one yep. way or another. And, and a lot of these guys, you know, they had these great designs, and this, uh, they were all over the place. There was, no theme, there was a theme to it, but it was just way too much for me to look at. So that's yep. my I remember talking to Todd Miska about that, and, you know, the goalies of our era, that was they had this persona they always had masks for their team but a lot of them had a mask that could go from team to team uh potman's a great example curtis joseph uh eddie belfort they all had a mask right. that was you knew it was them it didn't matter what team they were with you knew who it was uh it was because bad. of their mask you know where you don't get that much uh 
probably the last one to really have that was Marty Turco with the gargoyle. But okay. to me, there was so much going on. It wasn't as... It was a little busy, right? But, yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, you brought up a lot of good names there. And uh, I, I think that's sort of lost in the, in the NHL now. Yeah. But I think it's kind of coming back. Yeah, um, I, I agree. It's kind of come to goalies and go and come to goalies and go. But I think once... I think they're really important characters on all these these in all of these organizations because they they really can dictate how your season goes. You yep. know, in a lot of different ways. But they're yep. they're all characters in their own way. And I Absolutely. think that's sort of ignored because some of these characters should not be ignored. No. <laughs> no, it you know, I, I think back to all the teams I've played on, the goalies I've skated with, they're all characters in their own way more than almost any other player I've skated with. There, there are a few interesting characters that were forwards, but the goalies, you know, and I, I, I don't consider myself to be the weirdest of goalies. I, I'm probably considered more normal on the spectrum. <laughs> That's not saying much, but I've still got my quirks and people are like, yep, you were an interesting one in the locker room. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, in, like you said, a lot of that stuff does go away over time or, or kind of dissipates a little bit, but yeah, I did, you know, there's certain things that you just always did a certain way. So you just do it that way because it might affect something. Yeah. It doesn't really mean it's going to affect anything, but to us, it's just a matter of routine and just dealing like everything's in place when you're yep. going into that situation, you're yeah. going into battle. You know, you see these, these, for example, uh, on Prime, they had this show Vikings. Yeah. Guys would always gear up for battle and they would get ready the same way. They were, you know, they it's always something symbolic that they did or just got you ready for that moment. Well, I remember as a kid going to the firehouse with my dad, when those bells went off and we were on the rig going to a fire when they knew it was a working fire, there was just certain ways guys would, okay, they, they got their game face on. It was the way they put their air bottle on and just different ways. It's, it's how you mentally get in that space. It, I know for me, it wasn't that I was superstitious. It was, this is how I mentally get prepared. Now, if I did something different this time, I wasn't the kind of guy that was like, okay, I got to take all my equipment off and do it over. Nor was I. But I know goalies that, they could be about ready to put their mask on and realize they put their jersey on different today and they would take everything off. And it's like, yeah. why? Come on. Um, so this is one of those interesting questions I threw in there. The, your favorite stick you've used, stick model. Um, I don't know. Right now, I'm, I, I don't remember all the sticks I use, but uh, <laughs> right now I'm using a, uh, a Bauer 170, and I know it's not all that great, but it has this sort of bend in the paddle. Mm -hmm. It's not a Curtis curve, but it's got like it's for where your finger goes, so that when you when you uh, push kind of like a trigger grip. Well, kind of. It just sort of waffles in a little bit. I can't quite explain it, but it has. Yeah. I'll bring it the next time. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That you I see like that on a lot of the Bauer sticks now. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just—I don't know why I like it, but it feels good, and I get a—I get a good shot with it. Yeah, I, I have not made the switch to composite sticks, and I think the main reason is because I'm cheap. Um, clearly, I, is I'm using 20-year-old equipment I, still. Okay, but I've had this stick for you know 
five years, five, six, seven years. Yeah. I've gone through maybe two. I have four sticks right now, but I have two because I left the two in storage for a while and didn't want to go get them. Yeah. And the others, you know, but I, I like the composites. I'd never go back. I can't. The yeah. Feel, the feel once you change, you'll, you know, and get used to the composite. I can Yeah. I, I have a feeling my next stick will be a composite. Um, when they first came out, I was still coaching at the time and some of my goalies had them and they just, they weren't durable. So at that point I was like, no way am I going composite? You know, they're breaking every two, three weeks. Now the technology has come a long way. They last. So I, I'm willing to pay the money for something that's going to last. But uh, I know the warrior foam core I've had, I'm on, I think year three or four with it. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to use that thing till it's dead. I, I, yeah, I still have one of the CCM Colzigs from uh, St. Mary's as my backup. <laughs> that thing hasn't broken yet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I don't remember liking a lot of the sticks I had. No, I, I used the uh, Christians a lot just because I was used to those heavy logs because I used Christian a lot in youth hockey. So, And I like the taller paddle where – I know you used the uh, cohos a lot um, that we got in, but the Christian, the Christian had the uh, taller paddle, the longer paddle, and I liked that. Um, even though I had a little crouch, I like a, a tall stick for some odd reason. It works for me. Um, you know, I, I have to say my favorite goalie stick of all time, pattern wise or uh, model wise, was the Bauer Reactor Five Belfour. Something about that stick it was a really thin paddle it didn't have that roundness to it which made gripping the paddle just something about it i really liked and they were pretty durable too and light sticks for the time so i will say that i don't remember that one in particular but i will say that you brought up christian and i remember having when i was playing triple a i did have a need for a lot of sticks and there were still wood at the time and i had a christian sticks made and they were blue with silver writing yeah, name on it. So that would have to probably be my favorite. Yeah, you know, Christian, those sticks. Yeah, they were heavy, but God, did they last? I mean, every so often the the heel would start to take on water and would start to split. But when I was buying my own sticks, I would throw a little wood glue in there, put it in the vice overnight, and it's like a brand new stick. Sure. Yeah, much. I think our parents liked them too because they lasted a little bit longer than us. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So the, the next question is favorite youth hockey memory. I'm going to probably guess it was winning that national championship. Yeah, that would <laughs> That's kind of a no brainer. State championship would be a close second. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No brainers there. So the, the next question is kind of a, could go either way. It's, it's favorite penalty. It could either be one you've taken, one you've seen be taken, or just one you like to see called. Favorite penalty that I've taken? <laughs> it, it's your up to you how you want to answer that one. I, I think uh, misconducts are always interesting. Yeah. Whenever misconduct is involved, there's um, <laughs> something that happened out of character or out of the ordinary. Yeah. Uh, so definitely those would be my favorites. Um, your favorite chirp you've heard, and I. Just from practice alone, I know you've probably got a bunch you could pull from. <laughs> Not to mention, there's probably quite a few that probably shouldn't yeah. be aired. Yeah, my favorite chirp. Uh, I have to think about that one. <laughs> uh, worst post game beer. I know for me, it's whenever somebody uh, 
brings the the beer and it's warm. Oh, yeah, warm beer is never good for me, but uh, I'm not a big fan of Remember we used to drink a lot of bush light in college? I don't, <laughs> I don't prefer that one. Yeah, that, that that's probably a good um a good answer. I, I was last episode I had Dustin Smith, the Nashville e-bug on, and he said he uh came to Minnesota for a game and afterwards they had beers out in the parking lot, but it was in the middle of winter. So for him being from Nashville, he said it wasn't that the beer was bad, it was that the experience being out in the cold was bad. <laughs> so that, that's no, fair. That's half the battle, right? You yeah. Know have a good situation, good conversation. Good yeah, experience. you know, I, I said that that's just part of the experience for us having them out there in the snow. You don't have to worry about keeping the beer cold. You know, just set yeah. it right. You, you can take more than fifteen minutes to drink the beer at that point. Right. Right. <laughs> you have um, a little snow up there, I think. We're- yeah, exactly. So when you tape your stick, is it heel to toe or toe to heel? Oh, toe to heel. Interesting. I'm I'm heel to toe, so so do, do you tape the whole uh, toe or do you leave a little bit exposed? Um, absolutely not. So, <laughs> what I do is I start with I take one strip of tape, yeah, and then I put it on the uh, around the front of the toe. Okay, so you do it that way. You're not one of those weirdos that tapes it and then pulls start. the scissors out. Yep. So okay. They start, you know, everything goes in from there, stops at the, yeah, I stop around the heel somewhere, wherever that comfortable spot is for me. But then I like to do, um, I like to do a handle on the top. Yep. Not just the ball on top. I'll actually tape the handle like a. Yeah, I do the grip. Or a little where you, you know, braid it up a little bit. Yep. I I do that at the, uh you know, I guess you could call it the heel where the paddle meets the shaft. I put a grip there as well. I've done oh, that do? for, yeah, yeah, I've done yeah, that I for never, years. That, that I never did, but the top one I liked. Yeah. I, I was yeah. doing that at the top until Bud Ends came out with their Century Grip. And the knob for that is exactly the same size as the knob I've been doing. Now, it doesn't have the grip that I would typically put on there, but it comes down ex- the exact same amount that I would do every time. Yeah. And even though it doesn't have that braid on there, the material still has the grip on there. So it works perfect for me and nice. saves okay. time putting it on. Uh, favorite number. So when I was playing, it was 35. I mean, there's same no, here. That was it. That was my favorite number. Now I'm rocking 53. Why 53? That's not a typical goalie number. Actually, I mean, with so uh, the way I looked at it was all these guys are doing whatever the heck they want with their numbers now. It's like uh, there's some out there numbers in the 70s. Yeah, and yeah the Edmonton goalie with 19. Right. So, you know, and my son, he decided that he was going to take after his uncle and wear 18 instead of his father who wore 35. You know, like a normal goalie number, but he went to the forward number. It's all good. I don't care. So that just made me be like, okay, well, this is men's league now. This is like new Eric coming back to hockey. Yeah. So Reinvent yourself. You're going to flip it around. And that's what it is. I so like it. I asked for it. 
so I, I was wearing 30 until high school and then I went to 35 uh, and love that number. But when I got to college, some other goalie had 35, so I couldn't wear it. Uh, so I, I went to the, uh, the cabinet, they kept all the jerseys in and found the biggest jersey they had. And it happened to be 39. So that, that's been my number since. Well, the hat, the hassock. That's how yeah. you Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I wore the Hashik helmet after my uh, one concussion until I got the next concussion uh, wearing that helmet. And the coaches and parents were like, you need to go back to a mask. <laughs> so so uh, that's, that's probably a smart move and, and, and probably the right time to do it at that point. Yeah. And you know what's funny is the whole time I wore that mask, I loved it. It was light great peripheral vision. The mobility was great. So I didn't wear the dangler. I could look down, you know, more than with a traditional mask. And the whole time I had it, no pucks to the neck. And really it was only that one puck to the head, which happened to be at practice. And Joe Duda took the shot. And if you remember him, he had no control over his shot, but he had one of the hardest shots. And it just hit me square on the Cooper, broke the helmet and got another concussion. And everybody said, time for a mask again. So I said, all right. Um, so any advice for young goalies? Yeah. Um, focus on your angles. I mean, I think that's, that's a big key to the game, you know, keeping your stick in front of you and mm-hmm. staying on your angles. That's 80%. I, I would agree. My, my goalie coach that I went to for goalie camps when I was a young one, you know, he said, it, it doesn't matter what style you play if you've got good angles. And always yeah. keep your, your chest centered on the puck. Yep. If you do that, if you, if you keep that in mind, your you know, odds are with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one thing I did want to mention, you mentioned uh, your concussions. I had recently had the opportunity um, through this, my our Stephen D store here, uh, to meet Daniel Carcillo. Yeah, he's been doing some great uh, stuff with concussions. I've been following him for a while on uh, what he's gone through. Yeah, and he so he and he did recently retired with several concussions. And, yep, but he's gotten into plant uh, companies called Made Plant Health. Yeah, and, and we're now working with that company. So um, they're doing a lot of really cool things and really productive, healthy, health conscious things with. Uh, mushrooms and CBD. Yeah. Well, and not, it's not backed by science too. I'm talking medical mushrooms. Yep. And, and microdosing. Good for brain health and, and cognitive wellness. You yep. know, and, and just generally staying well. And I think all of us as hockey players and goalies alike, that as we get older, we need a little bit of something to stay sharp. And then we do everyone, I invite everybody to do their research. Yeah. Uh, but at, you know, we we're definitely um, looking at products like that. Yeah. I've been following Dan's journey for a while. And um, what I really appreciate about it, one, he's been so uh, transparent with his journey. Um, and I, I think it was through that, that I realized that from my concussions, there's a chance, you know, some of my irritability and anxiety is from concussions. Um, uh, and it's because of his transparency that I started making those connections, but also I appreciate that his journey has been science based and not just 
self-medication. It's very much with the help of experts. And, you know, he's been big on the microdosing right now, not necessarily doing it, but understanding there's studies out there. What are they showing, you know, and could it be beneficial? Uh, I know uh, the VA hospital is doing a lot of studies with microdosing for PTSD with our uh, vets because they're finding it's a uh, healthier alternative to some of these other medications they've been giving people. And because it's plant-based and not man-made, it's better for the system. It makes sense. You know, it really does. And it's, I think him being involved in something like that, or these players starting to get involved in, in mental you know, wellness and, and genuine general health conscious products. I, I think it's going to be a really good thing for America and just guys in general, you know, kind of, I know that as a hockey player and just, you know, doctor, uh, you didn't want to go to the doctor. You didn't want to go to the yeah. hospital and something was wrong. Right. Well, now if you just take care of yourself a little bit in smart ways, you know, yep. read your products and know what you're taking, make sure it's organic, whatever it is that is important to you. Um, I think this, this is a really, there's some really good products out there like the Neuroflex in the main. Yep. Well, and th- the work that guys like Carcillo are doing is it's, it's taking away the stigma I think hockey players have had of, you know, it's, it's just a concussion. It's not a big deal. Well, it is. And it's got, lasting effects that you don't necessarily realize until much later where you're better off sitting down for two weeks and making sure you're good rather than rushing back and it getting worse because the brain is a muscle that every and the problem is everybody's brain is different so it's not like if you break an arm and they can set it and say you're good to go in six to eight weeks everybody's on a different schedule and so the you know, right. I, I was one of those people I could bounce back faster from a brain injury, but you know, certain teammates like uh, Hops, it essentially ended his career. It, you're right, and I remember that. And it just really, de- and also how you were hit in that situation, and, and absolutely the position your body was in, all these different factors figure in, and it just more and more important, especially with what you're seeing in football as well with mm-hmm. the bad injuries and, and hockey now all, all the different sports there, there could be head injuries so yeah it, you know, it's the guy, in baseball the guy could slide into the catcher head first and, and, and have a concussion you know it, so but taking care of yourself is the most important thing and i think with, with that's why i'm in this business right now with cbd and 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 you know some of the general wellness products that we do and incorporating in the massage it makes people feel better. Yep. And, and it's a good thing. Hell, I thinking that again, another thing, sorry, Joe, is also taking that stigma away from CBD and hemp and cannabis yep. because it, there is a place in medicine for these products. It right. helps people. It may not help you or, or somebody else, but there are people that it does help. Yep. So it's like any medicine. It's going to work for some, not others. And I I think the biggest issue is our doctors aren't using it for everyday um, prescriptions right now. So a lot of it right now has been more self-medicated. People understand it can help them. They self-medicate where I I believe if our healthcare system 
incorporated it more, it could be much more impactful. Um, I know I've used some of the balms on achy knees and joints after games and it, you know, it, it helped, you know, the, the one I had, it, it reminded me of icy hot, icy hot. It felt like you put it on, it felt great for five minutes and then the aches and pains started coming back. But the stuff I had, it, it had that relief, but for a sustained amount of time. And sometimes that's all yeah. you need. I got yeah. one like that. I'll send it out to you. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find you online, you know, social media, where can they find you if they want to learn more about you or the company? Sure. Um, well, at the, we're at cbdbodyhigh.com. Um, you can get all our social links on the website. Yeah. Uh, I'll put them in the show notes. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that. And personally, I'm at etrgraphics.com. Uh, That's my portfolio page. And I also have a travel website at erichtravels.com. So I'm kind of all over the place. If you miss me, then you will not know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm trying to just really as many streams of, of revenue or in, you know, ways to generate yeah. income as possible. I'm trying to delve into it. Right absolutely. Now. Absolutely. Well, Richie, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll probably talk again at some point and, uh, Next time I'm in town or next time you're up in the Twin Cities, we're going to have to get together for a beverage or two. Love to. Yeah. And I appreciate you inviting me on to the show, Joe. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm you know, grateful for the opportunity and, and I hope we get to do it again soon. I, I enjoyed this time. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Tendy Talk. I need to thank my guest and former teammate, Eric Richardson, for being gracious with his time today. Links for the different ways to follow Eric and his different business ventures can be found in the episode's show notes. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Simply search for Washed Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washedupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and all podcast episodes. I need to give a big thank you to the great hockey band, The Zambonis, for allowing me to use their music in my intro and closing of my episodes. Download their music on iTunes, listen to them on Amazon Music, or wherever you stream your music from. Where it is, they're working on a new album as well, so keep your eyes out for that. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to as well. I'm really excited about some I've lined up. Uh, A couple are going to be on as things settle out this fall, so I'm really excited to talk to them. If you're a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, comment on the post podcast platform you are listening on. It's a quick action on your part, but it helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. <laughs>